0: The tour content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoke Jew podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. I don't know when I'm going to publish this, but I'm recording this on August 10th, 2023. And this is the week that the entire historic city of Lahaina in Maui, Hawaii, burned down. Uh, there were wildfires, and the the fires swept through the city at an unprecedented rate, and just completely destroyed everything. Uh, as of now, there have been 36 deaths, and uh, I think lots of people are still missing. Uh, uh, the reports said that that the fire came through so quickly that people, you know, ha- some people had to just flee their homes and jump into the ocean uh, to save themselves. And I suggest that you look on the news or on, on Twitter—I'm not going to call it X—on Twitter uh, just to see the photographs and the videos of the devastation. I, I have not seen anything like it. And, yeah, I know that there have been wildfires uh, throughout uh, you know, California and, uh, and uh, Canada these last couple of years. But something about seeing uh, you know, the footage of an entire city on the coast of Hawaii— being destroyed. I don't know maybe it's because I grew up in Hawaii that I can picture it more clearly, but uh something about seeing that footage uh is just uh, I don't know, it's a different level of devastation in my mind. So when I was uh when I read about this, uh my mind immediately went to Seneca to letter number 91, which is uh, a subtitle on the lesson to be drawn from the burning of Lyon. And uh, I just to give a little bit of uh, of historical uh, information here, so and I didn't know this. I had to look this up on Wikipedia. Uh, this is in the uh, the the Wikipedia article, the history of Lyon. So the city was burned to the ground, but apparently we only know about it. It says here. Uh, I'll just read this paragraph. It says, under Nero in 64 AD, the Romans of Lyon supported the victims of the Great Fire of Rome by sending the sum of four million. Sesterces? Sesterces? I don't know how to pronounce that. The following year, they they were themselves victims of another fire, and Nero sent the same amount to rebuild the city. This fire, known only by a a text by Seneca, has never been corroborated by archaeological evidence of a fire. Okay, but obviously, this thing actually happened. It just happens to be we only know about it through Seneca. So my mind went to this letter. This is the letter that is the source of the... uh, the uh, On my stoic coin, uh, my premeditatio malorum coin, uh, the line, all the terms of our human lot should be before our eyes, exile, war, torture, and shipwreck. Um, and uh, But Seneca was writing about the destruction of this city. And initially, when I was planning this episode, I was going to just read, uh, f- try to find some short excerpt. But I think we haven't had an, uh, an episode in a long time where I read a large Chunk of Seneca's writings, and I think here it's appropriate. I'm not going to say why until after I read the excerpt, but I would like to read most of the letter. So, um, so I guess I would advise you to just—I uh, don't know—just to listen and let it wash over you. Uh, that's that's how I find I gain the most from Seneca's writings. Okay, so letter number ninety-one on lesson to be drawn from the burning of Lyon. Our friend Liberalis is now downcast, for he has just heard of the fire which has wiped out the colony of Lyon. Such a calamity might upset anyone at all, not to speak of a man who dearly loves his country. But this incident has served to make him inquire about the strength of his own character, which he has trained, I suppose, just to meet situations that he thought might cause him fear. I do not wonder, however, that he was free from apprehension touching an evil so unexpected and practically unheard of as this, since it is without precedent. For the fire has damaged many a city for fire has damaged many a city, but has annihilated none. Even when fire has been hurled against the walls by the hand of a foe, the flame dies out in many places, and although continually renewed, rarely devours so wholly as to leave nothing for the sword. Even an earthquake has scarcely ever been so violent and destructive as to overthrow whole cities. Finally, no conflagration has ever blazed forth so savagely in any town that nothing was left for a second. So many beautiful buildings, any single one of which would make a single town famous, were wrecked in one night. In time of such deep peace, an event has taken place worse than men can possibly fear even in time of war. Who can believe it? When weapons are everywhere at rest, and when peace prevails throughout the world, Lyon, the pride of Gaul, is missing. Fortune has usually allowed all men, when she has assailed them collectively, to have a foreboding of that which they were destined to suffer. Every great creation has had granted to it a period of reprieve before its fall. But in this case, only a single night elapsed between the city at its greatest and the city non-existent. In short, it takes me longer to tell you it has perished than it took for the city to perish. All this has affected our friend Liberalis, bending his will, which is usually so said steadfast and erect in the face of his own trials, and not without reason has he been shaken, for it is the unexpected that puts the heaviest load upon us. Strangeness adds to the weight of calamities, and every mortal feels the greater pain as result of that which also brings surprise. Therefore, nothing ought to be unexpected by us. Our minds should be sent forward in advance to meet all problems, and we should consider not what is wont to happen but what can happen for what is there in existence that fortune when she has so willed does not drag down from the very height of its prosperity. And what is there that she does not the more violently assail, the more brilliantly it shines. What is laborious or difficult for her? She does not always attack in one way or even with her full strength. At one time, she summons our own hands against us at another time content with her own powers. She makes use of no agent in devising perils for us. No time is exempt. In the midst of our very pleasures, there spring up causes of suffering. War arises in the midst of peace, and that which we depended upon for protection is transformed into a cause of fear. Friend becomes enemy, ally becomes foeman. The summer calm is stirred into sudden storms, wilder than the storms of winter. With no foe in sight, we are victims of such fates as foes inflict, and if other causes of disaster fail, excessive good fortune finds them for itself. The most temperate are assailed by illness, the strongest by wasting disease, the most innocent by chastisement, the most secluded by the noisy mob. Chance chooses some new weapon by which to bring her strength to bear against us, thinking we have forgotten her. Whatever structure has been reared by a long sequence of years, at the cost of great toil and through the great kindness of the gods, is scattered and dispersed by a single day. Nay, he who said a day has granted too long a postponement to swift coming misfortune. An hour, an instant of time, suffices for the overthrow of empires. It would be some consolation for the feebleness of ourselves and our works, if all things should perish as slowly as they come into being. But as it is, increases are of sluggish growth, but the way to ruin is rapid." Nothing, whether public or private, is stable. The destinies of men, no less than those of cities, are in a whirl. Amid the greatest calm, terror arises. And though no external agencies stir up commotion, yet evils burst forth from sources whence they were least expected. Thrones which have stood the shock of civil and foreign wars clash to the ground, though no one sets them tottering. How few the states which have carried their good fortune through to the end. We should therefore reflect upon all contingencies— and should fortify our minds against the evils which may possibly come. Exile, the torture of disease, wars, shipwreck. We must think on these. Chance may tear you from your country or your country from you, or may banish you to the desert. This very place where throngs are stifling may become a desert. Let us place before our eyes in its entirety the nature of man's lot, and if we would not be overwhelmed or even dazed by those unwanted evils as if they were novel, let us summon to our minds beforehand, not as great an evil as oftentimes happens, but the very greatest evil that possibly can happen. We must reflect upon fortune fully and completely. How often have cities in Asia, so often in Achaia, have been laid low by a single shock of earthquake? How many towns in Syria, how many in Macedonia, have been swallowed up? How often has this kind of devastation laid Cyprus in ruins? How often has Paphos collapsed? Not infrequently are tidings brought to us by the utter destruction of our entire cities, yet how small a part of the world are we to whom such tidings often come? Let us rise, therefore, to confront the operations of fortune, and whatever happens, let us have the assurance that it is not so great as rumor advertises it to be. A rich city has been laid in ashes, the jewel of the provinces, counted as one of them, and yet not included with them. Rich though it was, nevertheless it was set upon a single hill, and that not very large in extent. But of all those cities of whose magnificence and grandeur you hear today, the very traces will be blotted out by time. Do you not see how in achia the foundations of the most famous cities have already crumbled to nothing, so that no traces left to show that they ever even existed? Not only does that which has been made with hands totter to the ground, not only is that which has been set in place by man's art and man's efforts overthrown by the passing days, nay, the peaks of mountains dissolve, whole tracts have settled, and places which once stood far from the sight of the sea are now covered by. By the waves. The mighty power of fire says eaten away the hills through whose sides they used to glow, and has leveled to the ground peaks which were once most lofty, the sailor's solace and his beacon. The works of nature herself are harassed. Hence we ought to bear with untroubled minds the destruction of cities. They stand but to fall. This doom awaits them, one and all, It may be that some internal force and blasts of violence which are tremendous because their way is blocked will throw off the weight which holds them down or that a whirlpool of raging currents, mightier because they are hidden in the bosom of the earth, will break through that which resists its power or that the vehemence of flames will burst asunder the frameworks of the earth's crust or that time from which nothing is safe will reduce them little by little or that a pestilential climate will drive their inhabitants away and the mold will corrode their deserted walls. It would be tedious to recount all the ways by which fate may come, but this one thing I know All the works of mortal man have been doomed to mortality, and in the midst of things which have been destined to die, we live. Hence, it is thoughts like these and of this kind, which I am offering as consolation to our friend, Liberalis, who burns with a love for his country that is beyond belief. Perhaps its destruction has been brought about only that it may be raised up again to a better destiny. Oftentimes, a reverse has but made room for more prosperous fortune. Many structures are fallen only to rise to a greater height. Timagines who had only a grudge who had a grudge against Rome and her prosperity used to say that the only reason he was grieved when conflagrations occurred in Rome was his knowledge that better buildings would arise than those which had gone down in the flames and probably in the city of Lyon too all its citizens will earnestly strive that everything shall be rebuilt better in size and security than that which they have lost May it be built to endure and under happier auspices for a longer existence. This is indeed but the hundredth year since this colony of Leon was founded, not the limit even of a man's lifetime. Led forth by Plancus, the natural advantages of its site have caused it to wax strong and reach the numbers which it contains today. And yet how many calamities of the greatest severity has it endured within the space of an old man's life? Therefore, let the mind be disciplined to understand and to endure its own lot, and let it have the knowledge that there is nothing which fortune does not dare, that she has the same jurisdiction over empires as over emperors, the same power over cities as over the citizens who dwell therein. We must not cry out at any of these calamities. Into such a world we have entered, and under such laws do we live. If you like, obey. If not, depart whithersoever you wish. Cry out in anger if any unfair measures are taken with reference to you individually. But if this inevitable law is binding upon the highest and the lowest alike, be reconciled to fate by which all things are dissolved. You should not estimate our worth by funeral mounds or by these monuments of unequal size which line the road. Their ashes level all men. We are unequal at birth but are equal in death. What I say about cities, I say also about their inhabitants. Ardea was captured as well as Rome. The the great founder of human law has not made distinctions between us on the basis of high lineage or of illustrious names, except while we live. When, however, we come to the end, which await mortals, he says, depart ambition. To all creatures that burden the earth, let one and the same law apply. For enduring all things, we are equal. No one is more frail than another. No one more certain of his own life on the morrow. Okay. So like I said, that was a long excerpt. The reason why I wanted to read it is because I think in order to practice premeditatio malorum, to practice this, uh, this technique of visualizing the negative, you really need to flesh it out in the imagination fully. Um, this is something that Rabbi Moskowitz talked about a lot in regards to Mishle and Tehillim, which is that the mind only needs to see something once clearly in order for the intellect to be affected, but in order to move the emotions, you need to really spell it out in all of its rich detail and particulars. And no Stoic writer that I know of does this better than Seneca, um, as I hopefully you can see from that uh, from that excerpt that I just read. Uh, he really, you know, it'd be very easy to say, a city can burn down, but it's a very different thing to have Seneca wax poetic talking about all the various ways that, that you know, that this can happen and how people thought of the city and uh, and what how they ended up perceiving its destruction and how the same thing can happen to the city itself and its inhabitants, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think we really need to, uh, I, I almost use the word indulge, but I think you need to actually indulge in this kind of rich visualization or imagination in order to to fully practice premeditatium malorum. I think... One of the ways that we in the modern age can do this is through movies. Uh, as I was reading this, the movie that came to my mind was the movie The Impossible, uh, starting Oh, I should look this up. Hold on. Actually, I can't look this up right now because I don't have internet. Um, I think it was... Oh, man. Was it Reese Witherspoon or Naomi Watts? I can't remember, but a young Tom Holland and Ewan McGregor about the tsunami uh, that uh took place in was it 2007 i'm not sure whatever it was uh this is based on a true story and there's this fantastic scene where the family is uh is reclining at a resort and then suddenly you know all the birds fly away and everything goes silent and then you see the tidal wave that just comes and just completely devastates the entire, uh, you know, the entire resort. And then the rest of the movie is, you know, taking place in the aftermath. And, uh, you know, the, the, I don't know, the suddenness of, uh, the way that that sudden, the suddenness of the disaster is depicted in the movie really hit my emotions uh, in a way that... Uh, that reading about it uh, couldn't necessarily do. Similarly here, I mean, you know, uh, I, I mentioned that I was very moved by the the visuals of the, the devastation of, of Lahaina, but I actually, it felt like I was I was reading about this or experiencing it a second time because in the James Missioner book, Hawaii, then he talks about the burning of Chinatown. I forgot what year it was. It was in the... the uh, either early 1900s or late 1800s, uh, which was a historical event. And he describes this in rich detail uh, throughout many pages. And again, that's another example of, of utilizing the imagination to to make these, uh, these ideas real. Again, it's one thing to—we all know that buildings can burn, but in order for that to impact our emotions in a way that actually prepares us for that possibility, you really need to speak to the emotions themselves, and I—I uh, I don't know if any of you were thinking about this when you listened to this, but I think that again, one of the main advantages that we have as Jews is that many of these these Stoic practices are actually part of Halacha, and the practice that uh, or the the Halakhic institution that I was thinking of as I read this was the three weeks, the nine days, and Tishah I mean, we literally every year. Go through an experience of of devoting an entire day to reliving and re-experiencing the national trauma of the destruction of our greatest city and our greatest um our our greatest asset the, the base of Mikdash and the exile and and uh, and massacre of our people uh, and we do this every year and it you know to the extent that we actually allow ourselves to feel those feelings and really in, in, engage in you know listening to Eicha and reading the kinos and engaging in the morning to the extent that we 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 do that and we allow ourselves to feel these feelings it will uh, god willing uh, or i guess god not willing depending on how you look at it prepare us for the next time that a calamity of this scale befalls the jewish people and i mean let's be honest we're due for one i mean the 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 holocaust was the the last uh, major event of that scale that happened to our people. And it's, uh, you know, we're getting close to, uh, to you know, hundred years uh, since that happened. I mean, uh, what are we now? I, I don't know, you know, uh, I, I can't do the math. I don't know the, the exact years when the Holocaust happened, but, um, you know, we are due for one. And so I, I, I think, you know, when, especially when I read this line from the letter, and he says, a rich city has been laid in ashes, the jewel of the provinces counted as one of them and yet not included with them. I mean, that line could have been taken out of Echa about Yerushalayim. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it's very easy, as is the case with uh, much of Halakha, it's easy to go through these practices and read these psukim and and uh, recite these kinos and to do it in a mindless way without actually taking that extra step of... of of thinking about the fact this could happen to us. I mean, how many people, when they read about the destruction of the ancient Yerushalayim, think about the fact that our present-day Yerushalayim could be attacked and destroyed again? I mean, God could easily let that happen, uh, and uh, I, I think that the that we, it would it would be wise for us to use the tools that we've been given by Halacha to practice this technique in the event that something like that could happen. And and truthfully we have all experienced something like this in the form of covid and the uh the pandemic that came i mean uh not as suddenly as a wildfire but but much more suddenly than we expected uh in the sense that that uh from one week to the next then the world shut down and remained shut down for uh for for you know for a year you know we we, we all lived through that trauma and and uh, it's very tempting to just kind of move on and forget it, but we should think about it, and not just think about it, but re-experience those feelings that we felt and find some way to to drive home the point that something like that can happen again. So these are the thoughts that I have this morning upon reading about what's happened to Lahaina. Uh, and again, you know, my heart goes out to the people of Maui, uh, but to anyone who who... Thought that something like this couldn't happen. I mean, this could happen to anybody. I mean, I'm, I'm right now. I'm standing in the Pacific Northwest, and the Cascadia superquake could happen. That could just destroy hundreds of uh, of cities uh, and uh, result in turmoil. I mean, that it could happen instantaneously, um, and the you know the thought that this, ah, uh, that this can't happen is just fake. Is just false. And as Seneca said, the only way to really you know, uh less in the blow is to is to think about this and meditate on it uh, in advance and uh, and know that things like this can happen. Um, I'll end with one anecdote. Uh, I guess one of the first uh, natural disasters, maybe the first natural disaster I experienced was Hurricane Sandy. And I remember when we when we when you know we we had lost, you know we lost power for for two weeks. Uh, and when I remember when we got back to school, then one of my students, uh shoshi uh who lived in long beach new york uh which was totally uh destroyed by the uh, by the hurricane or uh, you know destroyed to a large extent i remember she told me that she went to some sort of a city event and uh i don't know if it was the mayor or or some city official uh uh, was trying to comfort her saying, you know, don't worry, we'll build up the seawall so that none of this can ever happen again. And Shoshi, who had recently been learning Kohelas with me, s- said like, how can you say that nothing like this will happen ever again? I mean, yeah, sure, you can rebuild the seawall in a way where where the structural deficiencies uh, that existed the first time don't exist the second time, but to think that you can, like, avert a disaster of this scale is just is sheer folly. I mean, that's just a, a you know, human god fantasy that you can kind of, uh, you can, through your own efforts, avert a natural disaster. No, there will always be natural disasters that can uh, destroy the best of human inventions. So, um, yeah, okay, that was, uh, that, those were my meditations on the Burning of Lahaina, and I actually do have my laptop with me this time, so I can read my outro for the first time in a while. Uh, Let me just sum it up here. Okay, so uh, if you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss.com or Dash Schneeweiss, oh, I always forget this, and my Zelle and PayPal are MattSchneweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Tor content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at RabbiSchneweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening, thank you to my readers for reading, and thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.